solution, real talk. Living right, the execution, real walk. And stay cool, stay cool, cause it's hot outside. And get your body out line and chalk. I left the institution, real talk. Living right, the execution, real walk. And stay cool, stay cool, cause it's hot outside. And get your body out line and chalk. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Amadi and Ragu. One more time. This is the House to House podcast. You are listening live, or at least we're recording live. Um, but when it gets to you, hopefully I'm still alive. Um, as always, you can listen to our podcast. It is on Apple Podcasts on iTunes and Google Play Music. It's on Google Play Podcasts um, and SoundCloud. Check us out on SoundCloud always. Um, and if you want to interact with us, please reach out to us on the Facebook group. Um, go to facebook.com slash house to house. Or if you're already on Facebook, just search house to house podcast. That's the word house, the number two and the word house where we are advancing God's kingdom one household at a time. So we are just continuing this conversation, man. This is probably the longest conversation, in <laughs> but but it's a it's a good conversation to have. Yeah. Um, we're continuing this conversation about. So we started off talking about culture and servanthood versus sonship, and you know, just continuing on. And now we're talking about, you know, we we mentioned last week um, the model that the current church model is how we you know, unfortunately end up interpreting most of what we interact with spiritually, you know, whether it's the word, um, the scriptures, the Holy Spirit, just, you know, whatever. It, it it all gets interpreted a particular way because that's the model that we know. That's um, what was presented to us. Yeah. The reason I eat with a fork is because, you know, that's what I was presented. I didn't get chopsticks or whatever. Right. The Europeans came in. Yeah. They said, you know what? <laughs> right. Sorry, guys. We're going to have to introduce forks. But yeah, you can go ahead and put them sticks away, guys. We're going to be eating with forks today. Right. No more hands. No more hands. Right. But the so when we talk about the, the model and we sort of ended off on, you know, comparing and contrasting uh a quote unquote church business, right? I've even seen like documentaries like Church Incorporated and things like that. Work because they're 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 making a point to stress that church has become a business. It's business run. Mm-hmm. But if we were to go back to the biblical model of the family, um, that God's original intent and his intent always has been to have a family and, you know, unveil his family in the earth. And so even through this thought of authority and responsibility right um that the the model that we express that in um still has to be the 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 family and when we do that then we'll look at authority and responsibility a little bit differently yeah so delving or opening up the topic a bit more is the fact that you know there is a requirement and there's mention to spiritual authority so you know, let's open it up with, you know, the purpose of, I should say, why is there a necessity of spiritual authority? Well, let's go back one step. So in the unfortunate uh, previous paradigm or the, the church presentation of what spiritual authority could have been presented as is how one person may rule over another. Mm-hmm. 
or you know. I mean, what what we know is church leadership and oh, thank and, you. and the lay people. There you go. Or you know, one of the things that is faded to the back is more so the demonic mm-hmm. having influence or power, if you will, and they do have power. That's not. Mm-hmm. Let's not be foolish here. <laughs> and that that is. That is truly why there is a necessity for spiritual authority. Yeah, because one, one, one of the things that I, I think we have, you know, going back to your example of the leadership and, and, and the lay people and us thinking, essentially when we say, you know, spiritual authority, who's going to rule over who? Mm-hmm. Who's going to get to be in charge? It's, it's like children, you know. I, have, I, I keep referencing my children. That's how you know you're getting old when every example comes to your children. They're your very existence. Right? But who's going to be in charge who's doing it first who's going to be the leader and when if that's our only reference um to spiritual authority we're already doing it wrong like we missed completely yeah we you're already doing it wrong what's that commercial that's not how this goes <laughs> it's not how this works you know and so like spiritual authority is not that and it, you know what else it, it it also isn't it's not sin management and That's so, you true. know, we, 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 also think, we also think that spiritual authority is trying to restrict the freedoms of others. You know, hmm. I'm not, you know, God didn't send us here to become sin managers. And that also is what we turn spiritual authority into. Because remember, we're, we're talking about um, authority and responsibility. And wherever there is a responsibility you know any place in which you have been given responsibility in the kingdom we're not talking about worldly situations in the kingdom of god any place in which you have been given responsibility god has given you authority All right i love it in uh, matthew um stand of matthew uh, great commission 28 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so jesus says something really weird he says now all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me you know, we, we read that Great Commission sometimes and we just jump right to go therefore into all the nations and preach the gospel. Jesus starts that statement with, now all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. And because all authority on heaven and earth had been given to him, he now began to exercise his responsibility. Mm-hmm. He immediately begins to empower the disciples. All right, go therefore and preach the gospel, teaching them to be obedient. I'll be with you to the end of the age. Of course, I paraphrased all of that, but that's what Jesus mm-hmm. said in, in a nutshell. He was given authority. So any, any place in which you have responsibility, you have authority. Just wanted to show you how they work in tandem, how they work, you know, they work hand in hand. And I definitely want to make quick mention that, you know, um, anytime you have that authority and responsibility, you are certainly accountable for the things that you do with both the the authority and the responsibility that you have. Now, why why is all of this important? All of all of this is important, um, obviously, because we exist in a particular, you know, context. We exist in a particular what do they call it? Uh, epoch. Right? There you I, go. I, I want to sound uh, in, intelligent. We exist in a particular epoch of time, and what what's going on in in this epoch of time? Well, we say things like Jesus defeated Satan on the cross, right? Jesus defeated Satan on the cross, crushed the serpent's head, and, we, and which he did. I'm not saying he didn't. I'm not here to to, to mock the Lord. You know what, what I am saying is, if if he did do that. <laughs> 
then what are we doing? Because we're saying we're fighting a war, right? We're we're, we're fighting a war, mm-hmm. but are we fighting an enemy who's been defeated? How, how is that possible yeah. that if we're fighting, and this is all, you know, we're we're all going someplace because remember, we're all going back to the our, uh, you know, initial point of authority and responsibility as it pertains to the model of the family, right? So we're fighting an enemy who's been defeated already, and that would be why now, right? <laughs> we, you know, we we can't articulate that, you know, but that's not what spiritual authority is, I don't believe. You know, it's in e- Ephesians chapter 3, where it says that God is unveiling a mystery that was hidden within himself since the beginning of time. You know, God, you know, keeps secrets, I guess, from us when we're not ready to hear it. He unveils the mysteries. Yeah, he, he, he unveils un- it. Yeah, he unveils it before, when we're ready. You know, many of you won't tell your kids about the birds and the bees till they're ready, right? You've hidden That's mystery. mystery. <laughs> <laughs> You've hidden a mystery within yourself until it's time for your children to hear about it. <laughs> Hope your children are not hearing about it on House to House podcast for the first time. Um, but you know, you unveil a mystery, and so God has unveiled a mystery. But the crazy thing is, in in Ephesians three, who is He unveiling the mystery to? Is it to the seen or the unseen? Right. He is. He is unveiling the mystery. Um, let's let's look at that. I'm I'm going to read Ephesians chapter three here, where Paul is is talking about this divine mystery. This is what he. This is what Paul writes in Ephesians three. Uh, right around verse nine, he says, God had a secret plan, a secret that has been hidden for ages within himself who created all things. The purpose of this is that through the church, this multifaceted wisdom of God would now be disclosed to whom? To the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. Now, most of us know that terminology from chapter six. Yep. When Paul says, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. Who do we wrestle with? The rulers and the powers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. So God is unveiling a plan before the unseen, fallen angelic in the heavenly realms to show them the mystery of what he was doing, what he was hiding within himself, right, from Mm -hmm. the beginning of time, which is the body which is the family of God the yeah. the mystery is that those of us us we who are lower than the angelic are the true heirs of God right right so now why is that so important why is that so important how does that relate to the model that we're talking about how does that relate to the family well how many of you know right let's say you you're, you know, a married man. You got a nice wife at home. You got children. You got even got a little dog. Dog that sheds all over the place, <laughs> like I do. Yeah, and and you know that there are just marauders in your neighborhood, right? You're gonna take it upon yourself to make sure that your family's protected, right? Mm-hmm. God would even expect you to do that, right? How many of you, you know, if you're listening, you have daughters, right? And they get married. You're going to expect the husband to do certain things, right? You can say, hey, listen, this is my little girl. You know, make sure you take care of her, protect her, and so on and so forth. Take authority. Take authority over her. 
you know, don't rule over her and, you know, beat her down. We're not we're not saying become a brute. You're not exercising dominion on yeah. her, but you're exercising oversight to protect, to exactly. prepare, to make sure she's equipped, certain things, those characteristics. And what are those characteristics? Well, what's isn't it in Ephesians 5 where um, wives submit to your husbands as Christ, as Christ of the church? Man, look, look at me paraphrase. Sorry. Husbands love your wives. As Christ loved the church. I think you're right. Is that Ephesians five? So the what what we're talking about here is look look at this in Ephesians five. It says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, because the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. Um, but as the church submits to Christ, so also wives sh- should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to sanctify her by the cleansing of the word and the washing of the water by the word mm-hmm. so that he may present her to himself as glorious, not having a stain or wrinkle or any such blemish, but holy and blameless in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. For I'm going to keep going for no one has ever hated his own body, but he feeds it, takes care of it, just as Christ also does the church. We are members of his body. So that's what we're talking about here. When we say husbands, you know, you have authority over your wives. We're not saying you have authority to lord anything over her. You have authority to love her. You have the authority to, to care for her and protect her. So this is the this is the meaning of spiritual authority. So going back to my example of marauders and just all types of chaos going mm-hmm. on. If I were to give you the example of your own, and I think this is a an, an example that Sam actually uses a lot. That if um, we're on I ninety five, and for those of you who were in the Washington D.C. metropolitan area, so we're on the east coast. east coast of the United States. I'm just giving them all our details. They're gonna come get us, all right? I-95 or 495, the some of the major highways around here, um, and this traffic, you know, flying 60 miles an hour or whatever, and a big muscular, you know, weightlifter walks out on the highway and puts his hand up to stop traffic. Traffic won't stop. They'll just run him over. But if you get a little scrawny, 60 pound guy to do the same thing, but you put a little badge on his chest. And he goes out and puts his hand up. All of a sudden, all the vehicles will stop. Right? They'll slam on. Why are they slamming on brakes? Why are they mashing on brakes for this little guy who's 60 pounds soaking wet? Because he has a badge and what that badge represents. Right? Where the the muscular guy, as muscular and as As powerful powerful as he is, he has no authority. Zero. And so because he has zero authority, the cars keep going. He's in the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> right. If you're on I-95 and all you got to show for it is some pecs, that's the, that's the wrong thing to have out there. You need authority. So the 60-pound the officer has authority because that badge, it's not what the badge is. It's what the badge it represents. Does, yep. It represents authority. And so a husband represents something. This is what... Paul is talking about here that God is unfolding a mystery in front of very powerful rulers. It says that rulers, authorities, powers in the heavenly realms, God is unfolding a mystery that was hidden in himself to them. 
they are the ones in which God is unfolding this mystery to. That's like that traffic flying down I-95. Mm-hmm. And so my gifts, my talents, my abilities, none of that mean anything to them because they're more powerful than me to begin with. What, what matters? Authority. And so that's why he says here in chapter five of Ephesians, hey, husbands, be as I am to my bride. Stand as one who takes responsibility and one who has authority with this woman. Yeah. And I was just going to add to that. The, the wife is the opportunity. The wife has the opportunity to have the freedom and the liberty to exercise the things that she wants to do within the scope that the husband provides. And so, you know, it's, again, it is so pivotal for the husband to be in proper alignment with, with Christ. Yeah, because um, I believe it is uh, 1 Corinthians where Paul says the head of every man is Christ. Exactly. Right? The head of every man is Christ. The head, yeah, 1 Corinthians 11. 11.3. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the head of every man is Christ. The head of Christ is God. And the head of woman is man. Now, I remember I heard a, a brother give a joke one time. He said, you know, that's pretty much a hierarchy, right? So you have God, Christ, man, woman. He said, you never see any issue when it comes to Christ and God. It's like, oh, yeah, the head of Christ is God. Boom, we're straight. <laughs> He's like, you see a little bit of friction, but eventually the head of man is Christ. Okay. There's always the issue at the last part of that. <laughs> where the Equal head of rights. Woman, yeah. He said, why is that always the one where there's an issue? You know, it's, it's one lineage. You know, it's kind of one line here, but only that last link, there's always some friction there. You know, But not not to be funny, but essentially... What he's saying is, is that all of that has to do with authority. Mm-hmm. Everything, you know, not everything, but most of the, th- the things in which you see here are they're relating it to a family aspect. So now we're just specifically talking about husbands and wives. But again, the core of any family is a marriage. So mm-hmm. without a marriage, there is no family. Is so, no we're, you know, we're, we're just starting here. But it's the same kind of imagery you see here. He's relating the house of God, the family of God, you know. Two family examples. Yeah. And I hate to ever go back to the garden, but that's where it all begins. Because, <laughs> you know, the first time that the enemy or the demonic had the encounter or the angelic, excuse me, with man is when Eve, Adam and Eve were in the picture. And unfortunately, due to uh, circumstances not unveiled <laughs> right. throughout the scripts, but, you know, ultimately the Lord had a plan in mind. <clears throat> but. You know, with the woman engaging the demonic or the angelic, ah, and the, as opposed to the man, which it should have been. Right. So now things are have to get put back in its proper place. And here's a, I'm going to read a scripture now that is probably going to get under the skin of some people, but it's in your Bibles if you read it. And it's one of those things in which we like to ignore and act like it's not there. But I'm going to read it. It's in 1 Corinthians 14. It's um, if you want to get a moment to read it, read verse, you know, it's Paul's talking about order in the house, in, in the particular churches, you know, in, in the bodies of believers. But in, in 34 and 35 of chapter 14, Paul says some interesting things. You know, it's like I said, one of them things where we like to ignore like it's not there. But I, I again, if we examine the model instead of trying to force this thing into the current model, we'll see what he's doing here. So remember, the model is the family. The model is not church incorporated. 
It's always through the family. It's always through the family. So what does he say? He says, hey, in the church gatherings, in the church meetings, women, be silent. Stay in submission. But if you have something, if you find out something, if God speaks to you, right? If something is illuminated to you, whether by the Holy Spirit, through the scriptures, what does he say do? See, we just like to stop at 34 and then we start to march down the street. (laughs) He says, no, if you find out something, if you have new light, new revelation, you should ask your husbands at home. It's dishonorable that a woman do that in a church, right? What is he saying there? He's, now, remember, look at that in the light of the previous scripture in Ephesians 5. If you look at this scripture in light of Ephesians 5, it is a different, you know, it's sort of a, a different interaction. So Paul is saying, women, provoke your husbands to maturity. Yeah, actually, he is. That's exactly what he's saying here. It's like, please engage your husband. Engage in your husband. In some uh, conversation that is worthwhile and something that the Lord may have revealed to you during a, a meeting. Yeah, see, but uh, again, what we like to think about is who rules over whom, who gets to be in charge. And so we think, oh, why can't a woman say it? Why can't she say it? Because that's not as important as you engaging your husband, right? So you say, hey, listen, in the meeting today, I feel like the Lord said this. What do you think? No, don't go ask the pastor or they provoke your husband. Hey, I was praying about this the other day. What do you think? I feel like God said this. Now, you know what you're doing? You're provoking your husband because he's going to say, why is she asking me this? Because she sees you as one who has responsibility and authority. And that that relationship is a covenant relationship. That is probably, oh, excuse me, that is the deepest and most intimate relationship that you will experience on this earth is a covenant-based relationship. But we're not talking about that. We're just more so talking about the fact that you have to, as husbands, be ready to equip and prepare and assist your wife to excel and to mature as you should be doing for yourself. So anytime... Like any time in which someone is is called to represent the Lord in a particular situation, that is spiritual authority. So we're just using this family example to help you see it very clearly. I am called in my home with my wife or with my children to represent my heavenly father. That means I have spiritual authority in this place. And so because I have spiritual authority, that means I also have a responsibility. I have a responsibility in my behavior, in my words, in my character to represent my heavenly father. This has nothing to do with ruling over people in church incorporated. You know, this has to deal with representing my heavenly father in this situation. And so, again, we're coming, we're we're bringing it back home to the family, family, family. You might be saying, all right, Amadi, Ragu, Jesus, enough with the family. But. That's the that's, that's the, core. the beginnings. Yeah, that's the beginning. You don't have a nation without a family. Yeah. So we want you guys to see this because this is the model in which God has always wanted to build. He's wanted to unveil this mystery, which was hidden in himself in front of very powerful fallen angelic. The only thing that holds back something more powerful than yourself is if you represent something more powerful than what you're resisting. 
And so I re- I represent one who is the creator of all. And because when I represent him, I walk in his authority. I am in him. And because I'm in him, I have his authority. His authority covers me. And I can go into these places. This is what the enemy tells the Lord himself in Job. He says, you have a hedge around him. I cannot touch him. Yep. He, I mean, this is what Satan says to God. He says, I, I can't touch him. You did. You put a hedge around him. I would love to touch him. Right. Essentially, I'd love to get at him. The hedge is there to make sure he doesn't die. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> we, are, we, we are, you know, we are wrestling with the things that are more powerful than, than ourselves. It's almost like that, that, that Homer Simpson meme. We, we need to slide back into that hedge, man. <laughs> A lot of us like to come out of that hedge. We got to slide back into that hedge right, that, for our own protection. Exactly. That is there to assist us. It is not there to hinder us. Yeah, no, definitely. So, Again, so we, we want you guys to see this through the context of, of family. And I just have one more example. How many of us have, have been places and you just see some bad kids? Like these little kids are so bad. Man, I told you I was getting old. Another kid example. Jeez. Right. And you should see some bad kids. But what do we think in our mind? Where are their parents? You say, man, where are these kids' parents? They'll be right next to them. And they could be right next to them. Yeah, that's the really bad part. But why do we say that? That thought crosses our mind for a reason. Because they're a reflection. They're a reflection of your parents. And those parents should have authority and responsibility. Mm -hmm. So we're saying, hey, where are the two people that have responsibility and authority with these children? They should be here exercising that. That's why we think those things. And, you know, so we, we have to keep that sort of mentality as we sort of think of the house of God, as we, you know, interpret, interact, engage with the house of God. Continuing that same vein, you know, the Lord instructs the the wives to submit, submit to their, their husbands, you know, as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. You know, I know we referenced this already, or I didn't even realize it. And also, just back to the the point of where you were referencing family, Amadi, as the the core of the relationship in the body of Christ. And, you know, in in previous episodes, we referenced the genealogy. The genealogy was there for a reason. That's still all familial ties. Mm -hmm. That completely goes back from, from up to when Christ was born, back all the way to Adam. Yeah, I mean, think about it. You know, you may say, I come from this person. Like, imagine you find out all these different kings or something is in your line. All of a sudden, you feel better about yourself. Like, Why? Man, yeah. I'm a descendant of a king? Wow. Yeah. That's how it works. And so when we, when we look at these things, we have to, you know, we have to realize, hey, listen, there's an, an array of, uh, you know, power established and, and set up that is in opposition to us. Because God has made a decision to unfold this plan before them of us being his heirs. And so because of that, he needs those who who have authority, who represent him in manners to walk in in that authority. Now, that's a whole lot to say family. Right. The model, the changing the model. We said a whole lot to say that, you know, if we change the model, right, so let's think about this and, you know, we, we can end here and we'll talk about this next time. What if I said I'm going to move to a city and I'm just going to build up my family? Quote unquote, starting ministry, right? I'm just going to move to 
Austin, Texas or Cleveland or someplace or Washington, D.C. I'm just going to build up my family, man, and, you know, just be who the Lord has called me to be to my wife and my children. And we'll see what happens from there. Instead of what we do, we go get a 501c3, get a building and start. We, we, we start from an old model. You build from the outside in. Right, instead of the inside out. And so I just want to encourage you. Know, we just want to in, encourage you guys think, just to think about things like that, you know, and see where the Lord takes you again. If you might disagree, you might agree. You might disagree. We encourage you to, you know, get on the uh, Facebook group. Get on the Facebook group, share your thoughts. Um, we hope that, you know, everyone has an opportunity to uh, share what their thoughts are on there. Yeah, I just wanted to conclude with uh, as long as the demonic gets to exercise and impose a distraction to pull you away from being a representation of the Lord, he has successfully or they have successfully done their job. And so in that same light, we have to continue to press forward and be representations of the Lord. Yep. So we, we want to leave you with this. As what Ragu just said, I think is a very good thought to, to uh, leave on. That, you know, when the demonic can take you away from where God has called you to represent him, that can cause all sorts of problems. And there's a statement that I, you know, we would love for you guys to just ponder. That what if we were to say the root cause of many, if not all, of the things that ail this world is fatherlessness. Think oh, about that. All the way back to the beginning. All the way back to the beginning is fatherlessness. Fatherlessness is the root cause of just about everything that ails this current world. And we hope to get into that and other things the next go round. So with that, this is Amadi for Ragu saying thank you guys for listening. Living right, the execution real walk And stay cool, stay cool Cause it's hot outside And get your body out of line and chalk I left the institution real talk Living right, the execution real walk And stay cool, stay cool Cause it's hot outside And get your body out of line and chalk And stay cool, stay cool Cause it's hot outside stay cool, stay cool Cause it's hot and stay cool, stay cool, cause it's hot outside And get your body out of line and chalk